Thank you for joining us for another podcast from the Commonwealth Club. Welcome to the Commonwealth Club. I'm George Hammond, Chair of the Humanities Forum, which organized today's event. I'd like to welcome our live audience here in San Francisco and our radio and online audiences. And I'd like to welcome back to the Commonwealth Club, Swami Beyondananda, to give us his insights on April Fool's Day. Thank you very much. Well, hello, everybody. Okay. Uh, who is going to be do- doing the taping? Who wants to do the taping? Okay. okay, now, are you going to use duct tape or masking tape? <laughs> Usually people want to tape me, it's like that, but that's okay. Okay, a question, who has seen the Swami before? Well, you're seeing him again. Who has seen the Swami before but don't remember? That is called Vujade. Vujade is when something actually has happened, only you forgot. Now, it's great to be here, and guess what? We have no choice, because no matter where we are, we're always here, and it's always now. Hmm? So who would like to be in the now more? Oh, too late, already then. (laughs) You want to be in the now, you have to be very, very quick. But I predict that living in the now will be the wave of the future. (laughs) And time itself will become a thing of the past. (laughs) The calendar's days are numbered. No, I know this because I was a futurist in a past life. (laughs) Of course, now I spend all of my time in the timeless now. I think they call that (laughs) Alzheimer's. Now I'm having trouble figuring it out. Am I entering the fifth dimension or the first dementia? I don't really know. (laughs) Now, isn't that wonderful ancient curse and blessing? May you live in interesting times? Yes. Are we not in interesting times? In fact, people are asking the question, is this the hand of God at work or just the middle finger? (laughs) The political, new word, situation, the situation, has, has, new word, has gotten to the point where people are actually nostalgic for George W. Bush. Remember people were asking, were saying back in the day, wow, just... just relax. Things, things, were, um, things couldn't be worse. Well, they are. You know, they are much worse. And, uh, and so here we are. People are actually talking about the end times. Hmm? The end times. Uh, in fact, I met somebody a few years ago who was disappointed and depressed because the rapture didn't happen. I said, come on, cheer up. It's not the end of the world. <laughs> Although I did go to the Bible after all of this to see what the book of Revelations had to say, you will not believe what it said. Even though this is April Fool's Day, it really says this. It said, a sign that the last days are here. It says, and the last trump shall blow. (laughs) Of course, here we are, because right now we are in the midst of what I call an evolutionary upwising, as people are waking up and wising up. And what better way to wise up than to have the proper faith on everything, that we can face the dark of heartlessness thanks to 5,000 years of being ruled by the lowest common denominator. <laughs> Where the golden rule has been overruled by the rule of gold. You know the rule of gold? Do do unto others before they can do do unto you. <laughs> that has left a lot of residue as you can only imagine. And so here we are, and uh, we have right now the current president. It's very easy to make fun of this president, isn't it? Yeah, it's very easy to say that he has proven that even, not only that even the child can become president, that, I'm sorry, that not any, I'm sorry, he has proven that uh, anyone can grow up to be president. And in fact, you don't even have to grow up to be president. He has proven that. Uh, he, and people are saying, well, you know, how can you say that he, is, uh, that he is not acting like an adult? Because he has committed many, many adulterous acts, right? <laughs> and it's very easy to point out to him that at a time when everybody's been inside the box, we have an outlier for, pre- for president. And that's true. He has outlied every president of us. <laughs> but you will never, ever hear me say a negative word about him. And here's why. Because behind every soulless heel, there is an unhealed soul. And so it is our job not only to heal souls, 
but to resole heels. Hmm? <laughs> no, I have, I have a new program for doing it. It is called From A-Hole to B-Hole. Very complete, very complete. No, somebody got very angry at me. I was in the Midwest, and I came up there after the show, and they say, I resent you comparing our president to an a-hole. I said, oh, I'm sorry. Are you, are you a Donald Trump supporter? He says, no, I'm an a-hole. <laughs> now, it has been, uh, we're living in interesting times. It is predicted that a great shift will be taking place, and many people are asking, why is this shift happening to me? Well, because shift happens, that's why. And the shift has hit the fan, hasn't it? Yeah, in fact, it's time for we human beings to really get that this is an evolutionary moment where we have to shift or get off the pot. Unless you need pot to shift, then stay on the pot. No, no, it has been shown, I don't know if you knew this, but uh, each of us has cannabinoid receptor sites in the brain. Did you know that? Part of the brain called the hippocampus. You knew that. And to answer your unasked question, yes, I tried it once, but I didn't exhale. (laughs) And in these challenging times, people are consulting the great mystics on the planet. Now, there's two kinds of mystics. There are the optimistics and the pessimistics. Yeah, the pessimistics, they believe they're more in touch with reality, but the optimistics are happier and live longer. The pessimists, they're saying, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. The optimists say, no, it only looks that way because we're ascending. <laughs> All being relative. And, uh, and in these challenging times, it's very, very important for us to have some kind of a spiritual practice, right? Um, now, how many people are practicing mindfulness? Anybody? This is very powerful because this is a way, uh, because we are living in a time when we are so inundated with information, that we suffer from mindfulness. So we need to empty the mind through mindfulness. Hmm? I went to a great mindfulness teacher who gave me a great, great teaching. He said, if you want to be peaceful and clear the mind, all you have to do is two things. One, you have to clear the mind of all thoughts. Two, you have to focus on the center of your being. Mm-hmm. The center of yourself, focus there. And I did this practice. I'm happy to say it worked. I am now thoughtless and self-centered. <laughs> it is always good to have spiritual aids with you wherever you go. And so I have my, um, my uh, power animal and spirit guide with me today, Bullwinkle. Who, who loves Bullwinkle? Okay. If you don't know who Bullwinkle was, he was, a, he was a very famous cartoon moose, kind of defined the genre, right? Okay. And uh, I love Bullwinkle because no matter what your problem is, if you channel Bullwinkle to tell people your problems, it sounds funnier. Hmm? Okay, let's say you lost your job and you have no money. Channel Bullwinkle. They just lost my job and I have no money. <laughs> a little funnier, isn't it? So I, as you can see, I'm wearing my musafix today. Can you see this musafix? This is a spiritual icon. Jesus came to me in a dream and he asked me to wear this. I said, what does it mean? He says, it means for Christ's sake, lighten up. <laughs> because the world is in serious condition, largely because of our conditioning to be serious. Hmm? And so here we are celebrating April Fool's Day. It's really strange to have only one day dedicated to human foolishness when it's operative all of the time. But it's good we've compressed it into one day. And so this is the day that we celebrate that and we laugh wholeheartedly at our own silly selves, at our own silly selves. Now, I mean, there's plenty to be serious about. I mean, take the political situation, please. (laughs) We have a deeply divided body politic in this country. Half the people believe our elections are broken. The other half believe that they're fixed. Now you're laughing because it's not funny. Yeah. <laughs> now we've been divided into two tribes. We've been divided into red tribe Republicans, blue tribe Democrats who spend all of their energy arguing about whether it is worse to kill the born or the unborn. Meanwhile, the commonwealth is being stolen by a very, 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 very small percentage of the uncommonly wealthy 
and the bill has been sent to the not yet born. Hmm? So what do we need to do? We don't need, in the old days, we would have had a revolutionary uprising to overthrow. We need an evolutionary upwising to overgrow, to recognize that we human beings are bigger than the system that we have created. We need to bring left and right, front and center, to face the music and dance together, to turn the funk into function and leave the junk at the junction. We need to bring red tribe and blue tribe together in sacred circle to talk until they're purple in the face. (laughs) Yes. Because only by being together as one purple people will the peeps outnumber the perps. Okay. And so the purpose of peeps like you is to, and, and me, is to help everybody wake up laughing and then leave laughter in their wake. And this is really bigger than a political conversation. It's a spiritual conversation. So how many seekers of wisdom do we have with us today? Hmm? Well, well, there's a seeker born every minute, as you know, and two to take them along the path. And if you're on the path, you have to watch very carefully where you step. Hmm? I am writing a new book about being on the path. It's called Looking Out for Number Two. It's everywhere. You have a whole world of people looking out for number one. There's going to be plenty of number two. And, uh, and so as I, I have to confess, I too was a seeker of wisdom. I tried so many spiritual paths, I was pathological. I expanded my mind so much I couldn't fit through my door. Had to go to a shrink. I was addicted to spirit. I was hitting the source pretty hard in those days. <laughs> they, you know, and of course, I'm all recovered now. I'm all recovered. Anybody ever go to one of these codependency groups? Anybody? Yeah, yeah. I thought about going, but I couldn't find anybody to go with. <laughs> when I did go, I found out that I am addicted to chocolate. So not only am I codependent, I am cocoa-dependent. And, and, uh, and they have groups for everybody nowadays, all kinds of people. There's a group for people who feel like nobodies. Anonymous, anonymous. <laughs> they have an unlisted number. You can't find them. <laughs> Any overachievers with us? Overachievers, very good. New group for you. Overachievers Anonymous, they have a 24-step program. So. <laughs> You'll outdo yourself, whatever it is. Of course, I think I came up with, I I found what has to be the the ultimate of all of these groups, children of parents. (laughs) We have a lot of you out there. I think we're all that. Whatever your problem is, the reason is a parent. Okay, not really. And and so, um, you know, they say you have to hit bottom, and I hit bottom. I woke up one morning in a strange biker crash pad, and everything smelled like incense. I looked around me, and the bikers had orange leather vests and funny ponytails. I went, oh, my God, I've become a Harley Krishna. (laughs) And at that moment, I looked in the mirror, and I achieved full realization. I realized I'm a fool, and there's nothing to do but laugh. Because you know the old saying, laugh at yourself, and the whole world will laugh at you, too. And since that time, I have been practicing fundamentalism with the accent on the fun. Not to be confused with fundamentalism, accent on the mental. (laughs) See, the fundamentalists, they say heaven is above us. The fundamentalists say heaven is where we make it. So why don't we go for heaven on earth just for the hell of it? (laughs) Because we're not here to earn God's love. We're here to spend it. Right? (laughs) This is called supply-side spirituality, right? (laughs) The way to finally overcome the law of supply and demand, be more supplying and less demanding. That is the key. Key to happiness for everybody. Now, as a fundamentalist, I believe that life is a joke. But God is laughing with us, not at us. The creator is watching the comedy channel. We're what's on. 
and we're given free choice in life, free choice, we get to decide whether or not we laugh. So, if you want to be miserable, go right ahead, whatever makes you happy. (laughs) But I believe that underneath all of the stress and distress and sadness in life, there is a deep well of joy. And every time we let laughter bubble up out of that deep well, we experience deep wellness. But sometimes we forget to laugh. Anybody go a day without laughing recently? Irregular hilarity. (laughs) You need a good laughsative every day. Anybody go a week without laughing? Uh Uh-oh, that's right. You may be suffering from humoroids. Yeah. (laughs) No, humoroids is an enlargement of the onus. Where you feel so much responsibility, the only thing you're ever able to pass is heavy judgments. <laughs> now, we've been given what is called the human gestive system to process the material of the material world and turn it into laughter. And we've heard laughter is healing, right? Isn't it? We've all heard that. And maybe you read the book many years ago, Anatomy of an Illness by Norman Cousins. And about 40 or 45 years ago, he was diagnosed with a life-threatening disease he checked into a hotel room with Marx Brothers movies and candid camera reruns, and he got well. And at that point, the medical establishment decided they are going to study the healing power of laughter, which is kind of like, well, it works in practice, but does it work in theory? <laughs> That's our problem, you know. Yep. And of course, when they studied the physiology of laughter, They found that when we laugh, it creates these hormones called endorphins, our natural painkiller. Laughing improves our immune system function. Laughter lowers the blood pressure. Because when we laugh, it causes our blood vessels to dilate. Better than having them die early. (laughs) I want mine to die as late as possible. Something else, you're going to love this. Laughing burns calories. Yeah. Yes, it does. I have a new program I'm starting. It's called Laugh Your Ass Off. (laughs) Lose weight, lose weightiness. All the same. All the same. Now, on the more serious side, people ask me all the time, particularly in these challenging times, will there ever be peace on earth? And I have great news. There will be peace on earth. I certainly hope we humans are around to enjoy it, though, yes? Because that is the question. Will we achieve critical mass before we get the critical massacre? That's a problem. And so what we're coming to understand is that um, peace is an inside job. One of the keys to being peaceful, there are a number of keys to being peaceful. The first key to being peaceful is be positive. uh, So I have a new program called Just Say No to Negativity. (laughs) No negativity. Positively, no negativity. And then the second thing, this is a challenge, a spiritual challenge is whatever happens, you have to bless it, whatever it is. That's challenging, isn't it? Driver cuts you off, you have to bless that driver. Bless you. Bless you too. Go bless yourself. This works, I'm telling you. I, uh, I, I did this to a driver the other day. He actually gave me half of a peace sign. <laughs> now, the other thing about being peaceful is recognizing that it is a personal issue first. Each of us brings a piece of the peace. And all of a sudden, we have a big piece. Hmm? You know, people, who's been cultivating inner peace for a long time? Good, time to bring it all out. Let it all out. We need all-out peace. We call this a blisskrieg, right? B-L-I-S-S, blisskrieg. All-out peace, yes? And we will know, we will know that world peace is at hand when we see the sign. And the sign is all of the peace groups get along with each other. That's the first thing. You know, we have to watch our language because we, have, we are so used to dominate or be dominated that we have all of this war language, hmm? Anybody remember the, the, the war on poverty? Who remembers that? Well, it's all over. The poor people surrendered. <laughs> yeah, it was a while back. Um, and, you know, we have a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful national anthem, which I love. But maybe it's time that we stopped affirming bombs bursting in air. Hmm? 
And what is it with these ramparts? I think watching ramparts is pretty perverse. That's all I have to say, you know? I don't care how gallantly they're streaming. I do not want to look at them. Hmm? Some of these are time release. It's okay. (laughs) You'll laugh tomorrow for no reason. (laughs) Or you could be a psychic laughing at the next joke. I don't really know. No, but actually, uh, you know, because I'll tell you something. The only one that should be watching ramparts are sheep, okay? Because we humans have been ramming parts for far too long. And all of this rutting has gotten us into a rut. Yeah, because when you just have aggressive male energy in a country, you know what you have? Stagnation. (laughs) We need to activate the feminine energy to make a donation. (laughs) And then to get... (laughs) There was two rounds. Yes, tomorrow, you'll see. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, because I, I think it's very it's very important to keep the laugh force going. Mm-hmm. That that will it's very important. So anyway, yeah. So I I think it's very important that we recognize that if we work together, masculine and feminine together, we can activate one of the most underused tools in the toolkit: imagination. Imagination. If we want things to be different, we have to first to be able to imagine something different. My guru, Harry Cohen Baba, the Garmin Center Saint. He said that life is like a good deli. Even if something isn't on the menu, if enough people order it, they have to make it. (laughs) And so what we need to do if we want a truly healthy, healing, cohesive, and loving new, new world order is we have to put in our new world order forms. And we have to intend, you know, we're living in a time when people are saying resist. And resisting the current regime is Irresistible, isn't it? But what happens is you end up energizing. You end up energizing what it is that you're pushing against. So instead of that, let's energize and animate what we really want instead. You know, the mainstream media, and I I know this is being broadcast, I hope I'm not embarrassing anybody except myself, Um, but the mainstream media, I'm afraid, is a brainwashing machine stuck on spin. The one TV news network telling the truth about what they're broadcasting CBS. Yeah, you want to CBS? That what that? Yeah, that it's all over the place, right? <laughs> well, what if you don't want to CBS? Then what? If you don't like the current programming, turn off your TV and tell a vision instead. Yes, that's where I tell a vision to you, and you tell a vision to me, and we have healing and functional visions to step into. And that beats what we've been stepping into. Hmm? So I will begin. I will begin. Imagine think tanks where they don't think about tanks. So that young people can live for their country instead of dying for it. How would that be? Imagine government of the people, by the people, for the people, where the government does our bidding, not the bidding of the highest bidder. I'm going to stretch your imagination. Are you ready? Imagine going to the voting booth and voting for the greater of two goods. (laughs) I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Swami, you're proposing a sane world. You must be crazy. (laughs) So I invite you to join our sane asylum and create an actual world of sanity and coherence. Imagine, uh, here's another imagination. Imagine all all of the opposing sides taking up arms and hugging each other. How about instead of focusing on the identity issues that keep us separate, we focus on the identical issues that we all have in common? What would that be like? And what if we came to the uncommonly sensible common sense consensus that we would rather live by the golden rule than the rule of God? This is a time when we all can come together and do that. Instead of being separated into these separate tribes, um, the way that we isolate the sociopathogens in the body politic is both sides coming together around the virtues and values that we have in common and recognizing that we have an evolutionary destiny, an evolutionary destiny. 
Now, um, if we were as smart as ourselves, we would know, because we have a, uh, a society, a thriving civilization of up to 60 trillion individual cells. That's our community. And they all get along. We have universal health care, full employment, no cell left behind, and the organs cooperate with each other. You never hear about the liver invading the pancreas, demanding the islet of Langerhans. Doesn't happen. So if we were as smart as ourselves, we would recognize that the next phase of human evolution is seeing that we're all cells in a superorganism called humanity, or as I prefer it, humankind, because the currency of humankind is human kindness. We're all in this together. That is really the new mantra. And it's true. It's really true. Look at all of the energy we spend unnecessarily fighting one another, both in war and in uh, unnecessary forms of competition. If only we, we understood the original Greek meaning of the word competition, which was to strive together. So when those Greek Olympiad athletes were, were running, they were using each other as their pace cars. They were striving together. They were not trying to beat anybody. So what if we actually uh, created, instead of a rivalry, a thrivalry, where we recognize there's more than enough for everybody to thrive? if we work together and stop using our energy against one another. Hmm? That would be very, very powerful. Uh, you know, a, a number of years ago, we had, uh, after the 9-11 crisis, um, we were put into a state of fear. Fear gnomes, little gnomes of gnawing fear were released into the mainstream, creating some toxic conditions, like, of course, mad cowboy disease, that's what that came from. <laughs> We had, uh, of course, we had electile dysfunction. Uh, we've had uh, uh, truth decay. Irony deficiency. Seeing a doctor won't help, but seeing a paradox will. Yeah. And, of <laughs> and deficit inattention disorder. We had all of these conditions. And what, was ha what happened was they created this Department of Homeland Security and they had different levels of fear depending on the color. Is it red fear, orange fear, or yellow fear today? All different colors. We got a furiority complex out of that. <laughs> well, first we have to remember counterbalance that love is more powerful than fear. Otherwise, we'd be singing, all you need is fear. <laughs> she fears you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, we're not singing that, and that's a good thing. So what we have to do now is together, we need to create heartland security because our true security is in the land of the heart. In the head, we have beliefs that keep us separate, dueling dualities. And what people believe is unbelievable. <laughs> it's a dogma-eat-dogma dogma world out there, I'll tell you that. And so the secret to happiness and to actually transforming and evolving the world, secret to happiness is to actually leave the static of the head for the ecstatic of the heart. The more we expand our hearts, the less we will need to shrink our heads. <laughs> so I have, I have a dream. I'm going to share a dream with you, okay? I call it non-judgment day. Non-judgment day, right? On non-judgment day, everybody will win a beauty contest. On non-judgment day, all of the lawyers will disappear. We won't need them. Our trials will be over. They can go play golf and have fun. On non-judgment day, everyone will lay down their arms. And we look pretty foolish with our arms down on the ground and our butt sticking up in the air. But guess what? You cannot attack anybody in this position, can you? Unless you overdid it on the bean dip, you know, and... Uh, and our adapted gastro projection, very powerful technique. But uh, I, I have a dream. On non-judgment day, all of the nations at the United Nations will begin their session with a hokey pokey. <laughs> Imagine. The Israelis and the Palestinians, they put their whole selves in. That is commitment. They pull their whole selves out. That is detachment. They turn themselves around. That is transformation. And that's what it's all about. 
You are listening to the Commonwealth Club of California. Hear thousands of our podcasts on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And when you're in the Bay Area, please join us live for one of our 500 programs each year. You can find us online at commonwealthclub.org. Now, back to our program. Now, I'm looking out at this group, and I see that you're very, very evolved. I'm looking at your auras. Some of them are brighter. You must have had orgasms recently. (laughs) And being as evolved as you are, you recognize that each of us already has all of the answers within. Hmm? It's matching them with the corresponding questions. That's the challenge. (laughs) And so if you have an answerable question, the Swami will have a questionable answer for you. (laughs) And don't be afraid to ask a question. Uh, Don't be afraid to appear foolish. Uh, I have Bullwinkle around my neck. So we're just going to have them shout out the question. Just shout it out. Since I'm asking the questions, I'm not going to tell you my vision, but I'm curious to, to hear what your vision is, talking about television. Talking about television? Yes. I mean, like TV? Well, before you said that if I tell you my vision, you'll tell me your vision. Oh. I don't have one, but I'd like to hear yours. Oh, okay. Well, I think I told you my vision, but maybe I can, maybe I can, maybe I can go further and deeper. Maybe go, okay, further and deeper. Okay. I am seeing a political system where actually the, the citizens themselves have a separate institution called National Town Square. This is really happening, by the way. Imagine an independent institution of society, non-corporate, non-governmental, non-media-influenced, run by citizens, where every citizen has a verifiable voice and vote. No bots, no, no trolls, no nothing. So that would be a very, very positive vision for our country, where instantly our, our politicians could see that... Uh, or 90% of Americans want something, they're going to have to do that. There was that wonderful moment where where Gandhi's movement changed, when he realized that the people of India outnumbered the British colonials by 300,000 to one. Do the math. Do the aftermath. It's like the Lone Ranger and Tonto. Well, Tonda, we're surrounded by Indians. Looks like we're done for. What you mean we, Kimasari? <laughs> so we, the people, on both sides, have to recognize that neither political party gives us what we want, right? We have, I, I'm going to be very blunt here. We have one political party that promises positive change in very, very small increments. We have another political party that gives us negative change in very, very large excrements. <laughs> We could do better than that. We could do way better than that. And the way that we do better, through my vision, is to actually have a gathering place, Freedom of Assembly 3.0, where we the people can speak in one coherent voice. Hmm? We can end electile dysfunction that way. Where we have smart voting machines that are so smart, they don't even need voters. Okay, another question. Thank you. Thank you, Swamiji, for the talk. I'm an education entrepreneur, and we have a, a program for schools which encourages fun for kids as well as teaches them empathy, mindfulness, and growth mindset. I was looking up uh, uh, about you, and I kind of found out that you started a high school where, like, you know, some of the things which we are trying to do, which is like between 5 and 15 years of age, it's a very important time for kids to kind of build themselves up. Can you talk about your experience in terms of what was your learnings about it? Oh, well, this is a very good. He's, he's asking about uh, about education and so on, and this is a big, big challenge because first of all, our educational system as it is now was started in Prussia about 150 years ago, so it's a little bit out of date. And uh, I, I was I remember a show that we were doing not too long ago. A woman was kind of concerned about her children being exposed to negative cultural influences, and um, and particularly them getting sexually active too young, and she said. Do you think it would help uh, if there was sex education in schools? I said, absolutely. Because if schools teach sex the way they teach everything else, the kids will lose interest. (laughs) I want to recommend the best book that I know about what education could be. It's called The Future of Children. 
and it's written by Philip Moore, who started a school called Upland Hill School in Michigan over 40 years ago. And it's a school that's based on Krishnamurti and Buckminster Fuller. The Bucky stops here, you know what I mean. (laughs) And this school is a school where every child is known, and the idea is to bring forth, as an educare, bring forth the genius in every child. And this is really what's so important. We, instead of having a, a school system where you try to turn people into something, why not bring out who they already are? Because each of us is totally unique, just like everybody else. <laughs> so that is the po- purpose of education. Okay. Uh, Swami, can you talk to us a little bit about the connection between humor and creativity? Ah, humor and creativity. I'm stuck on that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, humor and creativity, first of all, Humor is something that gets us out of our head, out of our dueling duality mental peace. So um, a joke happens, people uh, ejoculate, that's the term for the release of energy through laughter, people ejoculate, and what happens is there's often an aha in the wake of the haha. And we leave the static of the head for the ecstatic of the heart, ah. Ah, would people? Would you like to learn how to activate the laugh force? Would you? Were you willing to stand up? Please stand up, everybody. This is a good physical exercise to do a couple of times a day, to uh, bring forth the laugh force and release the tension. Now, those people who are familiar with the chakra system know that each of the energy centers has a sound. And we go down to the belly; that sound is O. We go to the heart; that sound is Ah. And we go up to the third eye, the head; it's E. Now, if you put a huh in front of that, it's a laugh. Ho, 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 ha, 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 he, he. So when we put an H in front of each of those vowels and we move that energy up and down, we actually activate the laugh force in the body. We create a farce field. (laughs) And we might even heal the hole in the bozone layer, which is the planetary (laughs) clown chakra. Okay, so we'll start with the ho, ho. Everybody go, ho, ho, ho. Ha, ha, ha. He, he, he. Ha, ha, ha. Ho, ho, ho. One more time. Ha, ha, ha. He, he, he. Didn't that feel good? (laughs) Moving that energy, moving those vowels, a good vowel movement twice a day, I recommend. (laughs) Okay. Thank you for that question. Swami, I hope you can help us. Um, we're, we've been married 60 years. Happy, How many years? 60 years. Wow. Happy marriage. Yes. Happy marriage. But now all we do is bicker. What can we do? Well, you have to go for a bigger thought, a bigger thought than bicker. <laughs> well, I think actually the best thing to do when you find yourself bickering uh, is change places. And uh, you become her. She becomes you, and you do her rep, and she does your rep. And then that, that actually d- dissolves the whole thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah because I think that, that fundamentally we are together to have fun. We're fundamentally together to remember that, that the purpose of life and the purpose of relationships is joy. It, it reminds you of that, that, that wonderful Henny Youngman joke. He says, my wife and I were blissfully happy for 25 years. Then we met. <laughs> So if you recognize that all of these arguments occur on the battlefield and somebody decides to get off the battlefield, Trudy and I do this all the time. You know, one of us will remember we're battling, we're on the battlefield, and the other one, I say, it's time to get off the battlefield, or, or she'll say that, and whichever one doesn't say that says, but, but I wasn't done being right yet. <laughs> Isn't that what it's all about? Okay, so when we're all right, we're all right. That's how to end, that's how to end any argument. And every, every argument is, you're absolutely right, and so am I. Swami, how come nothing seems to work these days? Well, nothing seems, how many people have been finding that nothing seems to work? Nothing is working? I've got good news for you because I have with me today the ultimate enlightenment tool, would you like to know what it is that will actually help you clear anything, solve any problem in your, in your life? Yes. Nothing will. And I happen to have right here a box of absolutely nothing. 
Really, whatever your problem is, nothing will help, right? <laughs> nothing is known to cure baldness. Did you know that? Nothing gets out those impossible stains. Nothing is completely safe to eat. Nothing lasts forever. Nothing beats sex. And of course, nothing is made in the U.S. So, we believe in truth and packaging. We have a hole in the box. You could see exactly how much nothing you have left. Up here, you got plenty of nothing. Down here, time to get more. Our slogan is, nothing is too good for your friends, but get it for them anyway. <laughs> now, the fact is that we've had to expand our line because people don't want to buy boxes of nothing. They want to have other things. So we have uh, Swami's Ultimate Meditation CD, completely blank. <laughs> we call it the soundlessness of silence. Uh, listen, it's, uh, if you hear anything while listening to that, it's totally inside your own head. We had it premeditated by a thousand Buddhist monks. Is what it <laughs> and if you listen very, very, very carefully, you can almost hear the sound of no hands clapping. <laughs> We've expanded to other products. Anybody here have environmental allergies, allergic to, to perfumes and stuff? Good news for you. We just came up with the world's first um, completely odorless cologne. <laughs> called Nonsense. <laughs> Our slogan is, this product makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> so, watch for nothing, not sold in stores. Uh, actually, I think we're actually going to have an a all-purpose nothing spray and a handy demystifier. <laughs> you can clear the air just with regular air, clearing the air. Because this really reminds us that um, it, it also gets back to the creativity question, because all of something comes out of nothing, doesn't it? Okay, you need that space. There was nothing before everything, and there'll be nothing after everything is gone. Mm-hmm. So this is really important to recognize. So if, you feeling, if you're feeling stuck, do nothing. We live in a society where we are so thrown to busyness. People have what's called the Sinatra syndrome, a doobie-dooby-doo imbalance. <laughs> Too much doing, not enough being, Right? And so, if you have spent so much time being busy and being a doer, take a deep breath, relax, and do a beer instead. That really helps. <laughs> okay, th thank you for nothing. Okay. <laughs> okay, we still have several answers left, so... Um, more questions. Now we need more questions. I have one. Okay, good. I worked for attorneys many, many moons ago. Yeah. My favorite attorney said, Anna, you can catch more flies with honey than with vinegar. What's your favorite saying? Do you have any oh, a, a I can't say it, that you like? Or? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, well, I, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll refine it for the radio audience. Um, you can catch more flies with honey than with vinegar. But if you really want to catch flies, nothing works like horse doo-doo. <laughs> I know you didn't like that answer, but I wasn't crazy about the question. So there we go. Swami, my grandfather used to say that you should treat everyone the way you want to be treated. Do you think this should be a political slogan? A political slogan, treat everybody the way you want to be treated. Well, I think that actually the fundamental aspect of this, we're all in this together, is um, essentially the golden rule. And there's the golden rule, uh, the carrot and the stick of the golden rule. The, the carrot, of course, is do unto others as you would have them do unto you. The stick is the law of karma. Because karma is consequences, right? The law of karma. Because when you throw something out in this direction... The universe being circular, it's going to hit you right here eventually. And everybody knows what it's like to get rear-ended by your own karma. <laughs> and so if you want to avoid the consequence of that, then you want to actually imagine that we're really all cells in the same body. How would we treat other cells? We'd be cooperating together. Look at the energy. Uh, look at the energy that was spent on, that, on the presidential campaign. 
last time, I think it was like $3 billion, something like that, or more, just so that people could say to one another, so who are you voting against? None of the above would have won in the landslide. So the point is that what we have right now is we, are, we have been programmed by fear. We've been programmed by fear. And the question that people are asking after all of these years of programming is, can we undo the doo-doo that has been done? Or will the done doo-doo be our undoing? And so I, I pose this question in meditation. You know, I, don't, I, I actually don't do predictions. I don't want to jeopardize my nonprofit status. <laughs> and besides, in California, you may not know this yet, new law, you can now sue your psychic. Did you know that? Yes, here's how it works. If you're a sucker for a seer, and what the seer sees sucks, you can redress your grievance in a seer sucker suit. <laughs> This is a universe of infinite possibilities. They try to predict the weather, right? One little butterfly fart and everything changes. And so when it comes to prediction and when it comes to can we undo the doo-doo that has been done, what will happen? I have to defer to a great philosopher and center fielder, Willie Mays. Many years ago, Willie Mays was being interviewed by the sportscaster Howard Cosell, and I will channel the interview for you went like this. We're talking with Willie Mays. Willie, let me ask you this. Will the Giants win the pennant this year, Willie Mays? And Willie Mays said, I don't know, Howard. That's what we're going to play this season to find out. (laughs) So if we want things to change, we have to leave the old battlefield and cultivate a new playing field. The new playing field where everybody can win. We're not in competition in the, in the way that we imagine. We're in competition in the Greek sense that everybody wants everybody else to win. Wouldn't that be wonderful? It would be, po- be positive. Now, people say, well, that sounds utopian. Well, actually, it sounds like health. Our body would say, no, that's health. That's not utopian. It's health. And so if you want a healthy, wealthy commonwealth, if we want to all join the uncommonly wealthy club, and be uncommonly wealthy in all of the ways that matter. In love, in joy, in having sufficiency, then we do that by working together as cooperating selves rather than doing it the other way. Hmm? Okay, it seems like everything is, Swami, it seems like everything's being automated these days, and so we're going to have robots doing everything. Ro- cars are going to be driving themselves. No, no human is going to manufacture anything. So is that going to make us happier or less happy? Absolutely. (laughs) You know the story. You've heard about the happiness set point. Do you know about the happiness set point? There was a study that was done. People who've had terrible tragedies and people who've got, you know, won the lottery, lost a leg, okay? Now, it looks like, well, the one that lost the leg is having a bad time. The one that won the lottery is having a good time. But what happens is over a period of time, over a year or two years or three years, they return to the level of happiness that they were before this incident happened. There's a happiness set point, apparently. Now, of course, I have learned the secret of adjusting that. There's a little screw right here by the navel. If you loosen it, you become less of a tight ass. (laughs) Uh, Swami, you talk about getting off the battlefield, uh, but it seems like a lot of the the problems we're facing politically have to do with people not wanting to hear each other. I wonder if you you have any advice on, on getting off the battlefield to hear somebody's point of view that might not align with yours. Well, that's a very good point. That's a very good point because, again... The head is the area where we stay separate. Beliefs, dueling dualities. And humor is a, po- is a powerful tool to use because it offers us an alternative. You ever wonder why jokes are in threes? A minister, a priest, and a rabbi? A minister, a priest, and a rabbi are discussing their legacy. How do they want to be remembered? What do they want the eulogists to be saying when they're laying in their casket? And the minister says, well, I want them to be saying he's a family man and a pillar of his community. The priest said, I want them to be saying he's a holy man and a leader of his flock. The rabbi says, I want them to be saying, look, I think he's breathing. (laughs) 
So humor is always going to offer a third way. And this is a true story. True story. I was doing a program, a health conference many years ago, talking about irony deficiency and using as an example people who call themselves pro-life but are in favor of the death penalty. And so this woman came up to me very angry afterward because I insulted her point of view. And I told her a story, but she didn't know I was telling a story. I said, once again, minister, priest, and a rabbi are on TV discussing the question, when does life begin? And uh, the priest said, life begins at conception. And the woman shaking her head, yes. Yes, that's what I believe. She doesn't know I'm telling her a story. The minister said, life begins when the baby sh- takes the first breath. And she's shaking her head, no. They said, Rabbi, when does life begin? He says, life begins when the children leave home and the dog dies. <laughs> And this woman burst out laughing, and she hugged me. Because what happened is the dueling dualities of the head got blown apart through this ejoculation, as we call it. And what was left was just the, just the bare truth, the truth that we're all in this together. In the native cultures, that's why I suggested that we sit in sacred circle, red and blue tribe in sacred circle. When people are sitting in that circle, Everybody is equidistant from the center. Everybody is equal. And what that means is that every point of view is equal, that every human being has the same value. And we forget that because we are living in a pay-to-play political system. Right? And and so where money has taken over, where money becomes the main value because there's not a sacredness in the center that transcends both religion and non-religion. And somehow, on April Fool's Day, maybe it's the sacredness of laughter that allows us to come together and do something very human that we all enjoy and recognize that everyone, regardless of what they say their political position is, everyone has a family. Everybody experiences joy. Everybody experiences love. Everybody drinks water, breathes air, eats food, and so on. And maybe... The identity issues that we've been used to separate us need to now be the identical issues. Clean water, clean food, clean air, clean government that benefit all of us. So thank you, thank you very, very much for being here. Namaste. And namaste go. Goodbye. And so ends another event of the Commonwealth Club in its 117th year of enlightened discussion.